Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Big 10 Media Days are in the books. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We're going to be answering your questions about yesterday, the day before, the past week, and of course, getting into some training camp preview and season preview on the BWI Daily Mailbag Edition. Welcome to the BWI Mailbag. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Nate Bauer on location, looking like he's living his best life today. Nate, appreciate you on location coming to us to answer the people's questions. You are truly a champion of the people in your chalet somewhere in an undisclosed location. You know, I think we're going to call it a chateau, but... But yes, uh, it's it's fairly spectacular at my undisclosed uh, location here in the uh, the mountains of the Hudson Valley. I've been corrected. I'm not allowed to call it the Hudson River Valley, even though that's what the sign driving in says is I'm entering the Hudson River Valley. OK, apparently that's not what the people say. That's not what they okay. call it. So did the river carve the valley? Yes. Thank then you. I. My- Okay, sure. Okay, listen, I'm a, I'm a guest. I'm a guest. <laughs> very fair. Very you fair. Know, I'm just That's gonna good. follow uh, as as the locals do. And so, yeah, no, it's a a little bit of a, a different backdrop today, right? Yeah. Still wood, though. Still, I mean, it's not shiplap, but it is yep. still a nice, serene wood uh, backdrop. So, no matter what. <laughs> I mean, Nate's always the classier person here on the show oh, as I have my bunny cage behind me and my air conditioner running in the window. And I still have yet to figure out how to pose the shot where you can't see all the garbage in my apartment. <laughs> I like some of it, but not all of it. You know what I like more, though? I like getting right into it, getting to the BWI mailbag. So let's get into the best way to get to the BWI mailbag, by the way, is to subscribe to BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. $1 for 12 months of access gets you uh, inside the Lions Den message form where I post the uh, call every Wednesday night for the mailbag. Thursday morning, we wrap it up and then we record. So make sure you get in bluewhiteillustrated.com, $1. And then we take we do take some select questions from social media, either from here on the YouTube channel, some previous videos, or of course, from Twitter. So those are the ways to get here, but the best way, the most direct way, and I answer every single question I can from the message board. So that's your best way to get your question answered here on the show. Okay, Nate, let's get to our first question. And uh, normally we have like an opening sort of conversation about some of the stuff that's happened this week, but everyone's on it. Like our, our viewers are smart people and they're asking the right questions. So Beaverman72 asks, what's your projected ideal too deep along the defensive line? Mine has changed since yesterday, Nate. PJ Mustafer, yes. the news from Big Ten Media Day. I think the main headline that everyone's going to take from that, uh, PJ Mustafer cleared for training camp, passed his conditioning test. 
I'm still not totally sold. Are yep. you? No. Okay, nope. great. I mean, look. Does he want to do everything? The, the, the man, PJ Mustafer, does he want to do everything? Does he feel like he's capable of doing everything? Does he feel like, um, you know, having that mindset is necessary to get past an injury like this? Yeah. yeah. I would say that the answer is yes to all of those, but I would still push back slightly in saying that I'll be stunned if Penn state doesn't ease him into this. If yeah. the coaching staff, if the medical staff, if all of the, the uh, you know, I hate to put it this way, but like the grownups in the room, right. Uh, right. And, and PJ, you're a grown-up. I get it. He's I'm a just full, saying. He's I'm a just fully saying. grown man and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying uh, the, the people who are tasked with keeping these guys safe, keeping these guys healthy, uh, I, I would just, just, just from every point of view, right? It just, it yeah. just makes sense. You, he knows what he's capable of doing. They know what yeah. he's capable of doing. He's got to be top notch when the season starts. And so yeah. if it's not a slow rollout, I would be very, very surprised despite what he might want to do and feel like he's capable of doing. Yeah. There's a couple of things that play in here. And this is what I wrote yesterday when we were talking about this particular topic, after he talked to Greg pickle and some of the other reporters at uh, media day in Indianapolis, uh, he talked about, you know, the conditioning test and being ready and also the players and the inspirational figures that he saw that pushed him through that process and talking about Adrian Peterson, talking about Jeffrey Simmons of the Tennessee Titans who came back from an ACL injury in February played in the, uh, I think the, by the middle of his rookie season in the NFL, a very, very comparable situation. I think that's why PJ was, feeling the way he was about that player. If he was considering going to the NFL draft last year, he would have without the injury. None of those players played well when they came back. They were never really player that they were supposed to be until the year after. Yep. So him being available and him starting training camp nine days before the nine month anniversary of that injury, which is always, that's the window from when players are generally expected to be cleared after an ACL injury, which, by the way, he also finally confirmed that's what it was. So we can finally drop the reportedly. We can talk about it. Yeah. Finally talk about it. He tore his ACL. All of those things make me still cautious of he can technically be there. But what version of PJ Mustafer is it? Yeah. I, isn't isn't that the question is adjusting the expectations of what the top end can be for him? That that's it is, and and we talk about this all the time. Maybe PJ Mustafer at eighty percent is enough. Maybe, maybe right if if the talent is there and otherwise he's that much of a presence and that much of a help to what Penn State wants to do on the defensive line, that you'll take your recovering, recuperating uh, defensive tackle who is kind of the stalwart, the the anchor of that unit at less than because it's okay. That's right. That's all right. That 80% is, is better. It's just a matter of what, what is that number? You right. know, if, if I'm talking about uh 80%, like, yeah, it sounds like a win. If it's maybe 66%, right. Then that's a different story. And honestly, if it's 90%, 
then that's great. That's a win. That's yeah. that's where you want to be. And it becomes kind of a no brainer uh, decision to make in terms of how many reps he gets, what, what kind of a workload you put on him and how you treat him through the course of the season. Yeah. And he mentioned during the conditioning test, it's always been easy for him and he was struggling through it this time. So the, there's two things, and I want to bring up Saquon Barkley here because this is a guy we've talked about during this conversation with PJ Mustfer. For me to illustrate my point is this offseason, you've heard so many people taking shots at, at Barkley and the type of runner he is yeah. and the type of player he is because he had a down season last year because he was coming off an ACL and he got injured again during the season. And yeah. and when you're an athlete, and this is a side note but when you're an athlete like Barkley and there are some flaws in your game which we've pointed out I've pointed out for most of his career but you're so talented it works in the NFL anyway the minute those skills are eroded we start to see like you know the cracks with Mustafer that's I just I, I'm I'm concerned about that but the good news and I'll I'll, I'll give you the other side of the coin is that he is going to be at training camp and he will have that impact and and that concussive force on his body before the first game he's not coming back in the middle of the season he's going to have training camp to acclimate to some of those things and find out where the weak points or the stress points are but to your point about and and bringing it all home about Barkley and comparing PJ Mustafer is a, a defensive tackle he was not doing squats this offseason like I watched him doing rehab squats so I don't know what he's been doing in the summer but if you're not allowed to be in the tug of war at Lift for Life, I just can't imagine that you're really going to be 90%, 95 100% of the guy that you were until you get into that cycle. And Barkley last season, because he was rehabbing, didn't have the explosiveness to make him a great back. Those two things are connected. And I, you know, Noah Kane is the same way from last year. We saw the result of that. I, I just, I, I think he's going to be a valuable resource, but I just... I'm still concerned about early in the season expecting too much of him. I, I think it is uh, this pretty stark contrast between what, uh, and you know, uh, I don't think there is a person alive who has met or interacted with PJ Mustafer who isn't rooting for him. Right. right? Like right. he is the man. By the way, this is me rooting dude. for him of like, Lay yeah. off. If you don't yeah, yeah. see PJ Mustafer, lay off because it's not like he has the like this is not his fault. Like yep. just give the dude a minute. That's no, that's so, how I feel about this. But but at the same time, he's going to set that bar for himself as high as right. he possibly can. And so yep. it's it's just a matter of the public and everyone else kind of going into it with a, an open mind, right? Of hey, if 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 he if he comes back and is as good as he was before the injury then that should be a spectacular story, yeah. right? It I want to know framed, everything. Correct. It should be <laughs> yeah. framed in that context of this is incredible that he's able to do this. And if he's not, that's okay. That's yeah. right. That That is what should be expected, um, you know, just given the nature of the injury and the timing of it. Yeah, and I do think that there are, so he is a fifth-year player. He's a physically mature player. He's done a lot of work to get his body to a place where it can bounce back quickly from a, you know, from a muscular standpoint, from a physical standpoint. So if he gets into the season and during the routine lifting that you do during the season, which is kind of a maintenance thing, if he gets some sort of residual rebound effect, I think that's also a reasonable thing. But it's going to be September, 
you know, yep. middle September, maybe getting towards that year anniversary of the injury. And, and there's going to be a couple games in there where Penn State fans might go. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on from PJ and let's look at the rest of the question. I don't know. I want to go through a full uh, ideal too deep along the defensive line, but uh, who are the factors at each position? Maybe give me the names that you think are going to be in the two deep without having to rank them or list them starting at defensive end. By the way, we're going to be doing a season preview of this next week. So yeah. we'll give you more detail then. I think that I would be surprised if Tar Burton doesn't start. Yeah. And then I don't know with Adisa and Chop Robinson. I, I you know, I, I feel like yeah. that kind of could be either or. Um, Is there know, an appreciable Smith, Smith... difference between the two in terms of skill set? Yeah, I, I don't know. Honestly, I mean, I look like. <laughs> You and I are in the same place here in that we're not there. We don't get to see it. We we yeah. can hear from people. We can hear reactions. And yes, by all accounts, Chop Robinson has had uh, a good acclimation. James Franklin talked about it yesterday at Big Ten Media Days. Uh, those are positive signs. Is he stand in better immediately than what Adisa Isaac represents also coming back from injury? I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, I just... I. I my supposition is that that's going to be a battle, right? That there there will be some level of competition there as yeah. to who fulfills that other spot. And then I think Smith Vilbert and, yeah. you know, a guy like uh, Denai Dennis Sutton will have an opportunity to to battle there and compete there as well. I mean, like I, I've yeah. laid it out dozens of times now this offseason, but that's a spot where uh, traditionally true freshmen – have the best impact at that level at his elite level of recruiting uh, can make an impact and it can, yeah. can do so yep. immediately. So uh, you speaking of the two deep, it might go a little bit deeper than that. If you look at maybe that fourth spot is split between two people, right? And yep. then eventually those reps change over time. If, and when somebody separates themselves or players prove that they aren't quite where you want them to be. Like there's yeah. also the maybe it doesn't raise maybe the the there's some guys that fall back. Yeah. I think you can read the defensive tackle position the same way where maybe Mustafer technically starts at the one tech, which I need to I still need to confirm. Like, is there a difference between these two positions? It seems like there is, but it seems Franklin like called him. Franklin called him a nose yesterday. Right? Yeah, he I mean, he he laid that out fairly clearly. So, yeah. Uh, that would be it just seems like instinct. the skill set between the two doesn't matter as much as it did previously. And Mustafer is one of the few guys that truly has skills of one and maybe not skills of the other. He's quick, but I wouldn't call him a three technique. So yeah. just interesting that situation. You might see him technically as a starter, but he might be splitting reps with a guy like Jordan Vandenberg and Devon Ellis might be eating most of those snaps to start. And yep. then that might cycle through however it plays out. And then that three technique, that's the one where I think there's the biggest competition between the three names at the top of Izzard, uh, Beeman and Durant. And yeah. you know, that's, I'm presuming then that Vandenberg is a one tech in the situation. But like I said, during the spring, yeah. I don't know whether it was injuries or whether it was experimentation. You had two guys that I would call three techs on the field at the same time playing right. those positions. So right. I, I think there's a lot of, things that we need to learn about that before we know the too deep specifically yeah no, i think that's fair I mean, 
the only the only name I would bring up, and we brought it up all offseason, but I think you have to do it again, is Zane Durant. Yes. Just, uh, you know, Akeem Beeman, Kazai Izzard, uh, you know, they're on notice. And that's and that's what they want. That's what that's what right. That's the type of environment that Penn State's trying to to foster. Right. Right. At every position, but specifically there. I mean, I think that if you have that level of talent, that level that shows itself and does so consistently from a young age, they're going to get those guys on the field. They're going to they're going to find a way. And it might come at the cost of some reps for for guys who are expected otherwise to, yeah. to be in that position. Yeah. I mean, look at uh, Smith. Vilbert is in that situation right now. Very clearly, yeah. like he's he is uh, that has already happened to him. And it's up to him to prove that he is worth it, that. He's better than those other players that have come in this offseason and that he can make those plays. Yeah. Uh, seems like media day was a real success, says Nittany JP. Do you think this puts some of the Sean Clifford? I, you can throw any reference and get it by me, and I don't know if it's appropriate or not. I don't know. I'm not very old in the brain. Norma Ray controversy in the rearview mirror. Do you know what that is, Nate? I I found out recently I was saying things on, on camera that were – and I didn't realize entirely it. inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And people snuck those things by me. I have kind of blinders sometimes anyway. Um, in the rear view mirror and that, by the way, that shouldn't be that you should try that. Please don't try that. Um, so anyway, let me read. It looks like it's about, uh, unionization. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, so are it's we putting this in the rear view? Ah, okay. All right. Uh, is there, are Who we knows? putting this in the mirror, the rear view mirror, or will we have to know the full imp- impact of this in a couple of weeks? This is something you and I have talked about a little bit off camera. And I want to bring this conversation here because yeah. I thought at least from what Sean Clifford had to say and what we heard publicly outside of the round tables, they didn't say anything. It was very disappointing because there was no, there was no, there was no backstory. There was no sort of like, this is, they handled it. How? maybe Jason Stahl should have handled it in the first place. So what did, what did you glean from media day? Yeah, I think, I think two things stand out, right? They don't want this to be a distraction. They don't, Mm -hmm. they don't, they're, they're committed to that. And so they very much stuck to the script. Clearly that was something that was arranged and worked out beforehand. That's why they have media training. That's why they have right. Like the, the, these guys are prepped for this. That's James Franklin. That's the players themselves. Um, that there are media professionals who help them in these types of situations. I don't think that again, this is kind of me reading between the lines. I don't think that Sean Clifford was aware of how the interview that he did and some of the conversations that he had, would be presented. I don't think that was within his control. And so, yeah. you know, the the notion of, of being blindsided a little bit by that, I, I think is probably true. Okay. Uh, yeah. But, okay. So, so the fact that the fact that it was uh, pretty much a consistent, Oh, well, we're here to talk about football. This is what we're looking forward to. I'm putting that aside, you know, blah, blah, blah camp starts on Sunday. I I get that. Okay. But what you did see, what I saw through their comments and specifically through James Franklin is 
the idea that Sean Clifford would want to be an advocate for increasing student athlete benefits was mm-hmm. consistent, right? Like that was okay. that was something that more or less they were behind, right? Of James Franklin talking about the changing landscape. I wrote about it this morning the changing landscape of college football and college athletics and how there's an imbalance between sec schools carrying 17 programs versus big 10 schools that have 30 plus uh, and how like, you know, kind of something's got to give and wanting to wanting to push the ball forward Mm -hmm. on how football is treated Right. Uh, for a variety of reasons, I, I think makes sense. I think yeah. that that's something that James Franklin understands. I think that that's something that Sean Clifford, even if he had to talk about, hey, I don't want to talk about this. I'm going to talk about football. Even even if even if that's the case, there there's no question that they are proponents of that general movement. It's just a matter of and through all the reporting that came out after the fact, after last Friday. The question is: is just how do you get there, right? Right. Like that's the desire is not in question. They would that is an objective, that is an aim and a goal of Sean Clifford and apparently many of his teammates. It's understood. This isn't this isn't rocket science, right? Like there's nothing. (laughs) uh, The the nil is a big step towards that. This has been uh, brewing for decades. Decades yeah. of players coalescing around the idea that, hey, we're we're in this sacrificing our bodies and our, our, our well-being after we're done playing. And yeah, again, and not to <coughs> not to ahead. make it too much of a, uh, a sympathetic point and go too far, but also mental health, the stress of being a football yep. player and only being allowed to focus on football, like the hyper focus and the stress of performance. That, that's why they have counselors now at schools of dealing with athlete mental stress. And that goes across all sports, it does. especially individual ones where you are not a part of a team. It does. I, I just I just think that the veil has been lifted by and large among specifically men's basketball and football players that they are the revenue generators. That's it. This entire system is built upon the revenue that they generate. Yep. And so they're saying to themselves, wait a second. Why, why is, why does golf get scholarships? Why, why does um, you name it? The swimming and diving. What, right. All of, all of these other sports that are supported by the revenue generated from football and men's basketball, they're saying to themselves, okay, well, this is, this is coming at our expense. Now this is coming at our uh, all of the inhibitions, all of the, the the hurdles and the roadblocks legally that were in the way have more or less been removed. Okay. And so now the, the, the runway is clear. They can say, Hey, look, uh, I don't care if it's through a, a player advocacy committee of which Sean Clifford is now on in the big 10 as yeah. directed by Kevin Warren. Or if it's unionization, however, it, it doesn't matter if if this can be achieved without going to unionization and without changing uh, the uh, employer, quote unquote, employee 
<coughs> excuse me, relationship. Yeah. If you can keep it as a as a program and a student athlete relationship, fine. As long as it gets to a place where some concessions are made and some yeah. some some revenue is able to be split among these student athletes. Yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So let me ask you, because I want we got a bunch of stuff to get to today, but I do want to ask this on the front end. Seems that Media Day was a real success. Was it a success for Penze? Would you call what happened yesterday a success? Considering if it is, I don't think you can have a big success at a media day when your point is to say and do nothing. I think that the the things... Uh, so first of all, I'm at these media days, it is uh, the podium session for 15 minutes, okay? So Big Ten Network airs all of the coaches at the podium for 15 minutes. They get up there. They're either painfully dull and boring. Yeah. Uh, they're uh, elusive answering questions. Yeah. Or they own it. Right. And three questions. James Franklin answered three questions in 15 minutes. No one has ever argued that James Franklin can't handle himself in front of a crowd, that he right. can't present himself in the best light. And so, yeah, he absolutely filibustered. He talked, he had by far the longest opening statement of anybody there, probably for that reason, right? He he didn't yeah. want to have 10 questions on national television about this. And so what he ended up getting was a question about the defensive ends, Indiana football, and the defensive tackles. And yeah. so in that sense, the, the, the portion of the program most watched by most fans that's a win. That's a win for James Franklin. That's a win for yeah. Penn State football. And then, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, speaking of filibustering, we've done 25 minutes on two questions, so I do want to get to more stuff. <laughs> but just finish up with your last point. No, I was just, I was just going to say that that when the players, when Sean Clifford, uh, PJ Mustafer, and Jair Brown took to the BTN set, they also were great. They handled yeah. themselves really, really well. Um, you know, Jair Brown talking about his backstory and PJ mm -hmm. Mustafer, like even Sean Clifford, they all represented themselves very well. They didn't have to go down the rabbit hole of what all this, you know, other distractive stuff is. And so large, largely, I think that was a win. <laughs> so we're not moving on from Sean Clifford. We're just moving on to a different question as Nate, uh, is recovering from a cold, I imagine. Over sinus there. infection. Sinus infection. You allowed to have those anymore? Anyway. No, uh, <laughs> OC Lion asks, what are your thoughts on why Sean Clifford returned for his sixth year? Could NIL earnings and improving his business be the real reason? He's certainly not an NFL draft pro prospect, at least not based on the on-field performance the last two seasons. Uh, so we've talked about this before, Nate, how many players have you ever met that are like, yeah, I'm definitely not going to the NFL. Like I'm definitely never going to make it. 
a hundred percent of them believe, want to go there and will do everything possible to make it there. And if it means staying in college football for six years to prove that you can do it and that it was the circumstances, Sean Clifford's going to do that. It doesn't hurt that NIL is there. It doesn't hurt that he has these goals and probably has a little more mental flexibility than some guys who only see themselves as football players that he's building these business ventures on his way out. But I imagine he thinks he's a football player and he's going to play quarterback for a while. I think that that is a safe assumption. I I'm always fascinated truly by the conflict between Penn state fans taking pride in and feeling well represented by Penn state football players who do other things. Yeah. John Urschel and um, John Urschel. <laughs> Do you add I'm Adam Brenneman in there now? <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no, I just look that there, there are lots of guys who do stuff beyond the football field yeah, and do so to great effect and to great representation of the football program and the university. And so that is taken pride in, but if, anything happens where performance suffers or performance isn't what it's expected to be. Look, Sean Clifford can't play much worse than he did in 2020 and some portions of 2021. And so the idea that this is going to be used against him as though he hasn't been locked in all summer and all spring is it's just kind of absurd. Like it's just, it's, it's an easy out to say what you want to say anyway, which is just that Sean Clifford couldn't get it done. That's it. It doesn't need to be that unionization and NIL uh, took, took away from his focus. It didn't. Yeah. He is creating a a pathway and an Avenue to like, this should be celebrated that he has had the gumption to start this business and to, to to be successful the way that, that he has with it along with honestly his brother Liam yeah. right like that's those are good things so when when Greg and I talked when all of this was very fresh earlier in the week um this does some of the parts of this story that we did not get any context on and some of the relationship parts between James Franklin and Sean Clifford I do think those have validity if if Sean was doing things behind his head coach's back after James Franklin has gone to bat for him multiple times and you know, staked part of his reputation on Sean Clifford being the starter at Penn State. Does that does that create an ill will? Does that break some of the trust? That can be a part of the conversation. But I think James Franklin pretty much put a nail in that, uh, you know, as far as like, I'm an adult. I'm going to handle this. We're going to move past this. I support Sean Clifford. The end. Goodbye. Like those questions were answered pretty quickly by by Penn State being very professional about the whole thing and about you know the united front that they 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 presented but i don't think it's out of the question to have those conversations but Sean Clifford's here to be a quarterback to back to the original question yeah no i think i think I, look uh did Sean Clifford increase the pressure on himself yes yeah uh does James Franklin have reason to be Look, regardless of what the private conversations were, 
there is very little question that this was done outside of the realm of Penn State's understanding, right? Institutionally. Yep. So that's James yep. Franklin. Um, and so that in itself is probably not like there's no argument. That's that's not the way to handle it. That's not right. uh, in the best interest of having an open dialogue and, um, you know, open streams of communication. But that's not to say that Sean Clifford hasn't voiced those opinions with James Franklin in the past and that they haven't had those conversations in the past. I think right. very clearly that that, um, you know, by all accounts, James Franklin, he's had conversations with Sean Clifford. Pat Kraft has had conversations with Sean Clifford. And now Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, has had conversation with Sean Clifford so you know yes there there is a football element that Sean Clifford is like that's it that's it's a hundred percent of the deal of him being at Penn State and the reality is whether or not this NIL stuff or unionization stuff or any of that other stuff uh it just it doesn't matter he's going Mm -hmm. to be judged based on his performance yeah, like that's it. Is, and that's can you that's the conversation. Now? That's the conversation, too, is like the winning and losing of football games is now at hand, which is your currency as a player is right. being on the field and performing. So those ventures built off of that have to wait until you've done the winning and the losing. And this obviously happened earlier in the month, long before we got this close and then came out now as kind of a retaliatory tactic. So. It looks worse maybe than it was, but it also looks bad. Let's move on. Uh, Chester Copperpot, one of our favorites on the board. Not that we play favorites, but I love his questions. He has good questions. Franklin heaps in praise on Chop Robinson. Uh, do you think he will be the best pass rushing threat for PSU this year? I kind of do. I love what I see from him on film because I see uh, a little more explosive strength. And there's fast and fluid, and I think that's more Adisa Isaac. I see a little more of that power through contact from Chop Robinson. Now, the funny thing is, Adisa is now listed at 250, and Robinson's closer to 240. So what do I know? Like I, But I think in the long run, Robinson has a very high ceiling because he's got a big frame, explosive. He can be strong. He can play with strength. Whether it happens at the beginning of the season or at the end of the year, I do think eventually he's going to be probably the lead guy out of this group from the best ability I see from this, from the defensive end rotation. The, the, the only counter I would make is that Franklin was asked about him and he answered about him, but then he also made sure to mention Adisa Isaac, right? Like, yeah. W- wanted to, that's me reading between the lines, but to me, there was kind of very clearly a pushback of, Oh, it's not just a by the way about Adisa. Yeah. It's now this guy's like a big factor, and you need to have that conversation with with him at, at being on at least equal footing going yeah. into preseason camp. I, I feel bad because I feel like every single time we have this conversation, I'm diminishing Isaac, and like I, part well, of it we is have to see. We don't know. Exactly. I've seen him play football at Penn State, and I was largely looking at other players. Like, he did not force me to look at him. There were also some supremely talented players around him. So what is he now, presumably, post-injury, in the final form of what he's going to be? That's, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. There's just more upside. There's more tangible, tantalizing upside with with 
with uh, Chop Robinson because of all the newness, which I always get in trouble for doing. I, I just I don't think it was accidental that Franklin made sure before the bowl game to bring up Adisa Isaac. Like that yeah. was that was purposeful. He was genuinely excited at Adisa Isaac ha- having made the strides that he did. And yeah. it offered a vision for the future. Now, granted, this is well before Chop Robinson ever came into the equation this yeah. spring. But it, it's it to me, that was a pronouncement of, hey, we haven't talked about this guy all year, obviously, because he's not part of the picture here. He's hurt. Yeah. But the way that he looks coming back at this point, right, which was December, is very encouraging. He's yeah. had another eight months since then. And, you know, I think that that largely speaking, all of the feedback that's come out of the Lash building about him has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, it's the so. biggest. I think the defensive end position is one of the biggest ifs on the roster of if those three young guys and and Disa is not young. But if those three guys that we don't know a lot about on this on this field, if they work out, if that happens, Penn State's defense can be elite, I think, is the upper end of their ability. Want to get to this quickly. Uh, finish up. Well, no, I was just, just going to say, like, isn't it, isn't it interesting, though, that Franklin said from the podium how big of a question mark Mike Linebacker is and seeing who can lead yeah. the defense, but did not say that about the ends or the tackles, which yeah. to me it, it speaks volumes. I think that they think that they have more than enough talent there that's ready to go to make an impact this season. Yeah, I think that that that's a fair point. Uh, have you been looking for a reliable source of Penn State football tickets? Jim at TixmanJim.com, formerly PSUTixman.com, has been running his ticket exchange in Wilmington, Delaware for over 25 years. Every buyer is handled with courtesy respect and every ticket purchased is guaranteed proceeds are used to fund the PSU AA chapter scholarship fund and the PSU Levi lamb fund for athletic scholarships. Get your home opener, Ohio, Ohio U tickets, your Ohio state stripe out tickets. They put those back to back on me and that trips me up every time Minnesota homecoming whiteout. All the tickets you want, go to www.ticksmanjim.com. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see ticksmanjim.com at the bottom of the screen or email Jim at ticksmanjim at gmail.com. Give him a call, 302-521-8380. Call 302-521-8380. So, Ticksman Jim, you want to check out some of these games that we're talking about? You can uh, you can get your tickets there. Okay, next question. As I transition smoothly, because I am a professional, uh, there has old frog asks. There has been some talk about the offense using more tempo to disrupt what other teams do on defense. Do you see them utilizing a no huddle concept? If so, how much? Great question. Um, you, they'll never be an all no huddle temp, no huddle up tempo team, because that is as much of a gimmick as anything else. If you're going up tempo all the time, you cannot be super effective at playing football at that speed all the time. Uh, And there are times where it's not good for you. Secondarily, you need to know the offense to go up tempo. So yes, I think strategically they can use up tempo this year. If everything Sean Clifford has said is true. And Mike, Mike, you're such what they've said of, we know the offense now. So Sean Clifford doesn't have to do the check with me as much. He can make some of the decisions. 
then yeah, you can go up tempo. Yep. You, any anything else uh, in that conversation, the context you want to add to that particular point or disagree? Just just what Clifford said yesterday about mastery of the offense, right? That the year two is where you go from just learning and absorbing into refining and owning, you know, the nuances of what the offense is. And so, yeah, uh, would I expect a an offensive coordinator of Mike Yersich's pedigree to employ that sometimes when advantageous? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. There's just going to, I think there's going to be more options on the table this year. It's not going to be what it was last year where we've got X and Y and we'll alternate between those two things. And then each week we're searching for something that works. It's yep. going to be what is the best possible tactic we can use this week. And can we take advantage of that? There'll be more of those things. And some of them will fail. Right. Just, that's a great so point. Clear here. <laughs> some of them won't work out. It's yeah. just a question of will there be a, a dagger, right? The loss of a limb of, you know, right. They just, they were so pigeonholed last year in things that they did effectively, despite trying such a bevy of other options. They just, yeah. They just didn't work. And so, so this year they should be more effective in some of those avenues. So I'll, I'll kind of break it down pretty basically here. And then I want I want to get to the next question. But to to what the specifics of what I'm talking about, the bread and butter of 65 percent of college spread offenses is inside zone. So last year, Penn State ran inside zone and they ran their gap schemes, power and counter. And that was like, that was it. That's what they could run those. So if you know what's coming, if you know, well, they're definitely not going to run uh, too much mid zone or outside zone, or they're not going to run any trap and they don't have these things mastered, whether it's a, uh, whether it's a, the, the power pitch that they like to do with the quarterback where they've got the, the running back flaring out for a pitch, but the, the blocking is set up for the quarterback. If they're not doing any of those things because they can't do them, they cannot execute those plays then you have less options. That's what we're saying is like in the passing game, they'll have a better understanding of the passing concepts and being able to implement them on a more regular basis. They'll have more bat and we focus on the running game, but it's, it's all of it. It's the whole picture put together. So they're not going to be, we come into this game, we're running inside zone because that is a thing that can work against this team. And that's what we're going to do. Anyway. Yeah. Next. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot. I said I was setting that up and then we're moving on. And then I just sat there. Mark I'm Breer trying to <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Mark Breer uh, asks on Twitter. Pat Kraft seems like the man. Nate, you've talked to him. Is he the man? Yeah. Yep. No, he is. He's uh, he's a, a wholly engaging and enjoyable conversation. Uh, and so. If if I'm gleaning from is he the man the what that means my interpretation of the man yeah no he's he's a pretty cool dude uh i think that he's got a bright future for making the connections with honestly everybody like he's a people person and so i think that that will behoove him and and um very much be to his benefit and to the benefit of penn state athletics uh, moving forward in a variety of areas. Next up, it's uh, our friend Nuke. Ah, uh, my man. 
he's gonna get he's gonna get two questions on here because he had a, a couple of good ones and and they they're they're good to break us up here just a couple of minutes towards the end of the show. Nuke asks, what are the top three sports movies of all time? Nate, I'll let you go first before I embarrass myself with my picks. No, you have to go first because I got to think about this. Okay, I, I'm so, starting from scratch here. So here's here's the thing. Um, I I'll tell a story. Okay, this might illustrate it better. I don't watch sports movies, you know? So, like, the ones I've seen, like, uh, I think everyone's seen Remember the Titans because it's not about sports, not about football. Uh, so, great movie, irrespective of whether it's about sports or not. And then I'm getting into, like, The Longest Yard and Remember the Titan. Or, I'm sorry, uh, I already said that one. Uh, what, what's the, bu, 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 like, Dodgeball, I guess, would you say? Yeah. Root, Ru- Rudy, I don't know. I don't. So yeah. I used to work with Penn State voice of Penn State football, Steve Jones on his show. I was his producer and I would always feel embarrassed because he would throw out these references to like major league and, <laughs> and Caddyshack and, and Bull Durham. And, yeah. uh, you know, I haven't seen any of these movies. So I would sit there and just like stare at him ruining the show and then I would, because I was like 25, and I would be like, what is he talking about? He's dumb. And then I realized, no, I'm an idiot. I've never seen any of these things. I'm on a sports channel, and I've never seen any of these movies. So it's a point of, uh, it's a sore point for me when it comes to sports movies, because it's kind of an embarrassing thing. I think it sounds a little bit like a point of pride, though. I think you like the fact that you don't watch those movies. Possibly, possibly, but also. I, I don't hate it. I, I have yeah. no problem with it. I've never seen Star Wars, any of them. Uh, in fact, I I think I've seen one Marvel movie. Okay, now we just can't be friends. Like I know we're, it's it's over. <laughs> uh, but for uh, I'm gonna weigh in here because th- this is uh, definitive. Okay, Happy Gilmore is the best sports movie of all time. Golf. We have some biases here. Caddyshack is number two. Okay. Uh, and that's it. Those are it. Those are okay. So we, neither of us had good answers. That's good we, to know. Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> weekend at Bernie's for speedboat racing. Does that count? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So Nuke asks uh, a real question, as he always wants to throw something in there about the safeties. Realistically, how many safeties can be on the field at once? He Is there a way to sneak the 12th one on there? You know, that's a great question. Uh, it depends on whether the refs are paying attention or not. But the real answer is, I think last year I saw four safeties on the field for Manny Diaz. So two regular safeties, your field and your boundary. And then in a sub package, you could have your Sam linebacker striker position is a safety body. And then you substitute the will for a safety. So you've got four safeties, a Mike linebacker, defensive ends and corners. It's a lot of safeties. And if Joey Porter Jr. is out there, you've got a safety body at corner. So 
five. You, you know that he's dying laughing that you just answered that earnestly, right? Yeah, of course. I can, I have a I have a tick. I can't handle it. <laughs> I know something. I gotta share it. <laughs> what you said, yeah. Okay, uh, Pocono five seventy. Who are your top three surprise players in offense and defense that you think are going to turn some heads during fall camp? Mustafer's now at the top of my list. If he if he's healthy and he's out there and they're he's making plays and holding up against double teams, he's the number one guy on my list as far as that's a surprise player turning ahead for me. Hmm. Then it's going to be whether it's one of the Mike linebackers because that's the one everyone's going to be looking at. Anybody else on your on your radar? On the defensive side of the ball, uh, either way, I, I is he saying offense and defense? I just those are the guys yeah. at the head, at top of my head. So the problem is like our surprise player list now includes about twenty players at this point yeah, in the right. off season. Right. So I'm just updating with the guys that I think, given what James Franklin said yesterday, those are the guys now that I'm focusing on whether they can turn heads or not because they they're they're important. Yeah, I think I think the the problem with the question is we've been talking about them as surprises since April right yeah. or or before that and so like does Hunter Norzag count probably not because yeah. the expectation is that he's going to step in and play um but uh, do I think he'll be good better than expected yes so that uh, that would be one for me I think Katron Allen's going to be a surprise honestly um yeah I, I do. I, I think that there was enough. There's enough reason to believe that he's ready to play. Um, and and just because I talk so much about Nick Singleton and we talk about Nick Singleton all the time, that's another guy that will probably surprise some people in that he's just he's a little overlooked. Yeah. Just given the amount of attention that that Nick gets, making some plays. And by the way, coming up tomorrow is our running back preview and our preseason primer. We're getting through running backs and then it's just tight ends before we move on to the defense. And we got to get moving because, uh, you know, training camp is super close. So we need mm -hmm. to get the preseason in before the preseason is over. Glad you mentioned Hunter Norzad because PSU uh, 9500XPLG. Sorry. It just sounded like a uh, sound like a desktop monitor name. Yo, T Frank, love the show. Probably shouldn't be teasing him about his name if he's being so nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially about the recent O-line show you did. But where's love for my man, Sal, meaning Sal Wormley? He was a starter last year before injury, which is coming up on a year at this point from training camp. Have five grown and up front. I start to agree that Sal seeing easing himself into a rotation there. Also, is, is Landon Tangwell the primary backup at both tackles? Yeah, um, I don't know what to expect from Sal Wormley, truthfully, because of the injury and because of the depth, like the depth and the competition there. I don't know if we didn't talk about him enough on our O-line preview. He's definitely part of the, the battle there. But like what you just said, Hunter Norzad, everyone is expecting him. He transferred here for a reason. Yeah. So where does Wormley fit into that picture? I, I mean, I think. I'm going in at least to preseason camp with the mindset that it's a, an open competition. I, I, I really do think that those guys are going to battle. Um, yeah. I, I might give Norzad a little bit of an edge right now, but I, I don't think that Sal Wormley's out of it at all. Yeah. Um, and I think that ultimately both will play. So, you know, like that's what you want. You want to have six. You want to have about, six st starters, right? What about Tangwall? We've kind of anointed him the left guard starter. Yep. But he was also not a consistent participant in spring practice mm -hmm. and, you know, might be the most talented player on the line, but he's one of the youngest 
Does Wormley have an ability to take, you know, it doesn't have to be that Penn State's starting their five the entire game. They have rotated, especially guards, in on a regular basis some years. Yeah. Is that also open? I tend to think no, but I also have a very biased view of I'm very high on Landon Tangwall. I I think that if you talk to the coaches, they would always tell you that nothing's off the table. And part of Landon Tangwall's um, attractiveness, right? What makes him so great for Phil Troutwine is that he can play all over the place. Yep. That's a, that's a great tool to have because what, what if that's the case, right? What if, what if it's the case that Hunter Norzad and Sal Wormley, neither one of them really quite fit at right guard. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, maybe, maybe at that point you, you, you make a sw- switch. I just don't think that's the case. Like, I don't think that's what their preference is. Yeah. When it comes to the tackle position, we've talked about this a couple of times, but let's just review it that Olaf Ashanu, Caden Wallace, left tackle, right tackle. I called Tang Wall the main backup to those guys because you, he was the main backup last year. He is, again, one of the most talented players on the roster, and the guys behind him really haven't done enough to identify themselves as players at this point where you've got Ibrahim Troyore and Jimmy Christ. Uh, are either of those gonna guys gonna have something to say about that? And is it a good plan? Like, is it a good plan coming in with Tangwall being the three of your five players on the offensive line, at least in the two deep somewhere? I, I you you have to have a break glass in case of emergency, but that doesn't mean that you do it without there being an emergency, right? <laughs> Uh, let's move on to Sykim. You know why I like Sykim's questions, Nate? It's because he's the best. First off, he's a very nice person, very kind person. Secondly, he basically does my promos for me. Like, he promotes the, the hell out of the BWI Daily Edition. It says, great interview with Dwayne, and that's Dwayne Brown of Two-Tenths Speed and Agility, who came on the show on Monday talking to us about Pittsburgh athletes. He's trained all the way from Miles Sanders, Aaron Donald to commits coming up uh, in the class of 2023 with Tammy Robinson and Lamont Payne giving us uh, an, an inside look at those players. So hope you have him back sometime. Any sense on what he uh, focuses compares to Penn state and their strength and conditioning program. Any sense that college athletes can improve speed by much, maybe a 10th improvement makes a difference in the game and the NFL draft. That was an area where I think it's uh, the speed improvement is about the form of running where if you don't know how to run, then you're wasting efficiency and sprinting is very different than jogging. If you watch some of those highlights, or if you watch guys that are doing speed training, there's this drill where they, they fall forward and then they start sprinting. And that's to give you the correct body lean when you're running. And that does translate to the field as well. If you're an efficient athletic player with the right body lean and you can control your center of gravity, that does make you more fluid and more uh, explosive. Um, There's something that I, there's this whole conversation about muscle fibers that we don't need to get into when it comes to explosive athleticism that comes some from speed and agility training and some from strength training. But when it comes to Penn State and his view of things, I think he does kind of tailor what he does. It's very similar to Penn State and what they're looking for in terms of 
athletic movement skills, movement in space, offensive linemen all the way to receivers, all being athletic and being able to run because football is now a game of space and you want to be able to reach any point of the field you need to to execute your assignment, whether it's a pull block or a go route. So I do think that they align pretty well. But he also mentioned like, yeah, I if I've got a guy that's going to Penn State, we start training to tailor to what they're looking for so they're ready to go when they get there. You good? Yeah. Okay, great. I probably should have popped you off screen so you could uh, die in peace. But yeah, I just, <laughs> if I don't get water, it's over. All right. Z Fresh 05 says, what are the remaining positions you expect Penn State to fill in the class of 2023? What positions do you think uh, they should fill? So this is tough because the defense is solid A, borderline A+. They obviously missed on some defensive tackles per the calendar. Like that happens once a year, it seems. Um, the offense is in a sticky situation. They have the potential to have an elite offensive line class, but they do need to get one guy across the finish line. So you got to add an offensive lineman. That's one. Um, you got to add at least one receiver. And I know we have this conversation about every other position. And do you need to take a quarterback this year? Because you've got two from last year and guys are going to transfer. And here's the other thing at the receiver position. When we're talking about, do you need to take more than one this year? Because you had four last year. And I'm not trying to, you know, kill the plant before it grows. But are you expecting three of the four receivers in this class of 2022 to all work out? To all be significantly impactful players at some point in their career, whether they become stars or reliable players. I think if you look at the math, and this is not going into individual players and their profiles, that's not likely. That's why you get a lot of players. That's why you go in and you get multiple players at a position that needs volume. That's the exact problem that Penn State had on the offensive line. And if you just say, okay, this year we're not going to get anybody, and then next year something bad happens and you also don't, now you got two years stacked on top of each other. You can plug holes through the transfer portal, yes. But you don't want to have to do that. You want to find your superstars from the college level developing in your program and make them great. And you can't do that unless you're getting the talent necessary. So what that means for the class of 2023, in my opinion, is you need, they have gotten some upsets early in the class. They're going to need to get some more to finish this out, to have the projection as it was before some of the decommitments and misses. You need to find a quarterback for the same thing. I just said about the, the receivers. What if neither quarterback turns to be the guy from 22? That's a that's a possibility. You need to get a quality quarterback. So that means you need to get an upset there. Um, you need to get another receiver. And then if you want to flip a guy and get a really big win, some of the guys that you were in with before, if you can continue those relationships and flip one of those priority receivers that you had previously, if that's on the table, that's something else that has to happen for this class. So it's the obvious positions of need. And I think that if you're saying we're going to we're, we're OK, we're going to pass on any of these. Those are losses and misses for 23. That's not like we're fine. I still believe that if you want to be, if you want to compete at that highest level, there are no excuses. There's no, oh, we're fine this year. Maybe every once in a while that's that, that can happen, but you can't go in with one receiver and not get any of your top targets. Like that just can't happen. Uh, Zach says, with week one Thursday night at Purdue approaching fast and with the re recipe for Penn State to start off 1-0, a very hostile crowd. What is the recipe 
to start off 1-0 in a very hostile crowd. Does a Thursday night game affect the players in any way aside from less preparation time? I'll just start with that last part. That's the beauty of having a week one game early is that you don't. You could yeah. adjust for that. Uh, Nate, anything you got to say there? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think that I think that first of all, they'll they will tailor their practice approach to the game, right? So uh, as it is already, you know, they started Saturday morning in Wisconsin last year. Game week, quote unquote, started on Wednesday the week before. And so it's it's an extension. And so in this case, because it's a Thursday game, I would guess that game week, quote unquote, starts on Monday or Sunday, right, of the week and a half prior to that game. Um, no, I mean, look, like th- there was no there was no debate about that yesterday that it's going to be hostile. It's going to be a yeah. tough game. It's going to that's a tough environment. Um, Purdue's they are worthy of concern that that's tough. Nobody debates that. It's just a matter of can Penn state go into it with the same, you know, mature approach that they took to that game. at Wisconsin last year. That was a tough game. It was like winning that game remains a big deal. Yeah. Wisconsin is good and is a consistently good program, particularly at home. And so if Penn state goes into this game against Purdue with the same mindset, the same attitude and the same approach, you know, uh, Penn state has the advantage in terms of its depth and its breadth of talent. Yep. It's just a matter of being able to implement and execute those advantages to, to, to pull out a win. So I think we both agree on this score points and early. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's always easier to take the crowd out of it when you don't give them any hope. And if you go up early in the game, then you got to sustain that. But here's the other thing. If you don't, then you have to play the game. Like you have to play Purdue. So the resiliency to get through the emotional surge at the beginning. And if you can cut it off and you can stem that tide, do that, (laughs) put up 14 points in the first quarter and see if they still want to be there uh once the rest of the game is played so and they will by the way they will so you've got to be there for four quarters but it's it's always easier when you take the wind out of the sails and you don't let people get into that froth with early success and early excitement i I mean i think that there's a good possibility that penn state has to withstand uh, an early deficit yeah Uh, like yeah i I do i mean honestly wisconsin should have been up by a touchdown or two in that game yeah. last year, but they weren't. And so it ended, it ended up working out. Penn state missed some chances. Wisconsin missed some, some chances. Um, but just the way that these games tend to go, I'm thinking, you know, Ohio state's been in a few of these road conference yeah. Thursday night games to start the season. And in a couple of them, I think at Minnesota and I think one at Indiana, Indiana, I think was the, I think, I think Ohio state was trailing at the half or somewhere in that vicinity. Yeah. They were either trailing by a touchdown. And I think in the Indiana game, it was like 28, 21. So a lot of points, a lot of things not going their way early in the game, especially defensively. Yeah. But you gotta be, you gotta be able to weather that withstand that. You know, and then and then let the horses take over, right? Yeah. Like in the in the second half, that's where yeah. that's where uh, you know 
they talk about it all the time. The 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 better, more well-rounded, deeper, stronger, faster teams tend to be able to in when all of the other factors are in favor of the underdog, home, frenzy crowd, thir- you know, yep. national TV, all all of those things, uh, they dissipate. They dissipate in the second half, and that's where you try to win. So last question, and I like this one. We're going to end on this one because it gives a, a bright light for the future. Who in the incoming class of 2022 are your early picks for fan favorites? Uh, Nate, I'm going to let you go first because I have a very specific player in mind and a very specific reason in mind. Yeah, I have, I have two. Okay. You got, you give Dr- them both. Drew Alar and Nick yeah. Singleton. Can you believe yeah. it? Can you yeah. believe I went in that direction? And and that... and I'm I'm gonna go the opposite way. Okay. And I'll pick Caden Saunders. And here's why. Hear me out. I understand uh that the quarterback and the running back, they get the ball a lot, all those things. Everyone loves a good receiver. Because who's on the other end of those bombs, right? Who's on the who is who's the guy getting open and who's standing alone in the end zone? The receiver. I always wanted to play receiver for that reason. Secondly, there is the idea of fan favorite as only being uh, about play on the field. And that's 95% of it. But the other 5%, Saquon Barkley is beloved because he's good looking and charismatic. Yep. And Caden Saunders is good looking and charismatic. <laughs> Deny Dennis Sutton is good looking and charismatic. And I'm not saying that Drew Aller and Nick Singleton aren't, but I know right away that those two guys, Deny and Caden, they got that stuff that makes you want to put them on camera. I already want to get, you know, I got deny on the show. I wanted him here because he's not only a five star, but he's also a guy that people are interested in. They're drawn to. So when it comes to fan favorite marketing campaign, NIL, I think those guys are going to do very well for themselves as long as they produce on the football field. So I think you got that level, that little secret sauce that made KJ Hammer, Hamler, everybody love him. I see that part in Caden Saunders and that's another reason they're compared not just because of their game and where they play that's for look there's gonna be a lot that's that's the bottom line right class of 2022 has a bunch of dudes who people are going to rally around who are they're just gonna like them they're just likable guys and and it uh deny said on the show like yeah I like having my picture taken why wouldn't you when you look like deny (laughs) so if you if you like the camera and the camera likes you you're going to be a fan favorite. So that'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. Our mailbag show is complete. You have done a phenomenal job. Uh, you, my friend, who has watched the show all the way through to completion. You who has submitted questions. Thank you very much. And also, you know, thanks, Nate. You did a great job. I, th- I thought you were actually talking to me about making it through without being dead. So... <laughs> Yeah, uh, you're dead on a bachelor party, I think. I think that's what you're doing. Uh, you're working uh, today, but you're on location doing something. I don't know what's going on. I just, I'm assuming you're somewhere fancy doing something fun when you got an A-frame behind you. No, I just came to read Quiet <laughs> Contemplation. So this is a seaside C- is what this is. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. That's BWI Daily Edition. Subscribe on YouTube podcast. We'll be back with our wrap up of the week. We're looking at running backs. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.